So this morning, we're talking about faith. And one of, the, uh, one of the stories that always comes to mind for me when I'm thinking about faith, and I may have shared it on a Sunday morning before, I cannot remember. I know a lot of the younger people will have heard it before. The church I served at before Calvary, uh, there was a responsibility that every minister had to go around one day a week and pray for those members of our church who were in the hospital. And so my day was Friday, and I would go around every Friday to uh, the members of Southside that were in the hospital and pray over them. And there was a, a woman named Carlene that I had never met because she was already in a coma when I came to serve at Southside. But every Friday I would go and I would stand over her and I would pray. Some of you are grinning because you know this story, so I have shared it before, but I'm going to plow forward anyway. So one morning, uh, to just share the kind of faith that ministers have, pastors have, I was in her room and I was praying for her, and I, I, she was the last one on my rounds, and I was standing over her, I had my hand on her forehead, and I just said, you know, Carlene, it's Clayton from Southside, and I'm going to pray for you, and, and I'm praying for a few moments, and then all of a sudden I hear, who are you? And I, I look down, and her eyes are wide open, and she's looking at me, and I backed out of that room like a bullet from a gun, looking around from the left to the right to find somebody who could come and fix this because something's wrong. She's not supposed to be awake because the kind of faith we have, we expect something to happen when we pray, or we think something's gone wrong when something happens when we pray. Come to find out that uh, she'd been awake for days, and several of the other ministers on the team had just taken to uh, not going into the rooms of those they didn't think would remember that they hadn't gone into. So nobody had been over to pray for her, so I had no warning. But there I was, thinking my hand had healed her, looking for someone to come and fix this problem because it was wrong. Faith is a funny thing. Faith is a funny thing. And over the course of the next 13 weeks, we're going to be going through a series on the book of Exodus. And we're calling the series Following the Invisible God, which is one way to say that we're going to be talking about God and faith. Now, Exodus is an amazing book. It's the first book where God seriously shares a great deal about himself. From the book of Genesis, we primarily know God as the creator. We know that he's the giver of life. And while there are stories in which we get to see him at work, there is nothing in Genesis like there is in Exodus with God truly revealing who he is. Now, one of my hopes is that through this series, you'll come to love the book of Exodus, if you don't already, and feel comfortable reading it on your own as part of your devotional life. And that's why I'd like to take this opportunity to talk about the Bible reading plan. Um, what we're doing is we're doing one month at a time instead of two, which is what we've done up to this point. And you'll notice, if you've already grabbed one or when you do later, usually we have five readings. This time we have three for each week. And there's a reason for that, because on the back side, there's something else. If you were here last week, or if you get the Calvary call, um, we went through something that we call imaginative prayer, which is where as you read a Bible story, you really try to put yourself into it so you can ex experience it in a new way. I have found this type of prayer to be very powerful and informative for me, and I'm hoping that for some of you, it'll be the same. Undoubtedly, some of you might give this a try and just say, this, this isn't for me. But I, I expect that if you're willing to, to, to put yourself inside of a Bible story, to really picture 
what's going on, that you'll experience and encounter God at work in new and different ways in your life. And so there's a prompt for that on the back of this, and there'll be one with each subsequent month as well. And we want to encourage you on those other two days when we, uh, we didn't give you readings for to spend some time in that imaginative prayer and see, see what happens, how you encounter God and, and what he says to you. So today is an introduction for the series, and I want to take a few moments and explore some of the themes we're going to be looking at. And first and foremost, we're going to be talking about God, about who he is and what he has done. And God is undoubtedly the main character of the book of Exodus. But then we're going to spend some time talking about our response to who God is and to what God has done. You're going to hear that phrase several times times this morning. And that's actually our single sentence sermon summary. That faith is our response to who God is and what he has done. I've been told we may not have PowerPoint today, so I do apologize for that. So I'll repeat it one more time. Our single sentence sermon summary is faith is our response to who God is and what he has done. Now, Hebrews 11, chapter 1, says that faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Now, this makes faith kind of a strange thing because it runs against the common sense wisdom that we've always heard before. Faith literally means that you're trusting in someone that you cannot see. So instead of, like the saying, a bird in the bush is worth two in the hand, instead of that, faith flips the script on its head and says that a bird in the bush is worth, I said it wrong, a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. I realized, let me tell you what just happened. I didn't let uh, Logan do the scripture reading. I came right up too early. So I'm trying to look for the passage in my Bible, because I'm going to have to read it for you in a moment. And I lost track of my notes, so that was fun. We'll edit that right out of the recording for this morning. How about that? (laughs) So faith Literally, we probably won't. Pastor Ben will greatly enjoy that being in the recording for this morning. So faith literally means that you're trusting in something you can't see. So instead of saying a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush, faith flips it on its head and says a bird in the bush is worth two in the hand. I think that was right that time. So faith is a reliance on, a trusting in, something or someone that we can't see. And while that's a pretty good definition of faith, there is a simpler one. And it's, it's my favorite way to define faith, and it's always been because it, we need to recognize that faith has two components to it. The first part of faith is belief, right? I can't trust a thing if I don't believe it exists. I can't rely on a person if I don't believe that they're real. I can't put my trust or faith in God if I don't think that God is there. The first part of faith is belief. Now, one, something that's, that's surprising to people sometimes is that belief, coming to believe, it's not just something that happens and you don't have to work at it or you don't have to keep it up because you absolutely do. We frequently have these moments where we'll see something that's happened and we'll know that this is God at work within us or this is God at work in the people around us. And we keep it to ourselves, and we don't reflect on it very often. And then the memory just starts to fade. I remember having a high school student that came to Christ at a New Year's Eve lock-in. And when I asked her, what was the reason? You know, what, 
what grabbed hold of you to want to do this now? She shared just all the things that God had been doing in her life. It was powerful. And I asked her to be willing to share. She didn't need to give a testimony in front of everyone because she was very shy. But just, just to tell the story, just to remember. And a few years later, um, when she, had, she kind of lost track of her faith, when we met at the blend to talk about it, the question I had for her was, do you remember what you shared with me that night when you accepted Jesus? Because she said she just didn't, she just didn't feel God's presence anymore. He just didn't seem real to her anymore. And what broke my heart is I remembered the stories she told me better than she did. When we see God at work, when we find that thing that causes us to believe, it's so important to keep that memory sharp. That's one of the reasons why it's important to come to church on Sunday morning, to be part of a worshiping community. Because we're reminded of our belief and our reasons for our belief over and over and over again. Belief is a thing that you have to work at. But we make a mistake if we just end with belief. Just belief isn't enough. That's not what faith is. James chapter 2 tells us that even the demons believe in God, and he says they shudder. Belief isn't enough. To have faith, you have to take belief, and you have to add commitment. So faith is belief. There would be a neat graphic here that would show belief plus commitment equals faith, but that's all right. To get faith, you need to take belief and add commitment. Believing that the death and resurrection of Jesus has happened isn't enough. I can't just believe. I have to repent and give my life to him. In other words, I have to commit. Faith is belief plus commitment. Now, this faith is the first and foremost quality of any Christian. Your journey, your life as a Christian begins with your response to who God is and what he's done. It begins with faith. Now, there's another weird thing about faith. And it's also, like belief, it's something that you have to practice, to live out, to experience. It's not just the thing you have, it's a thing that you experience. So we mentioned that the main character of the book of Exodus is God. The book is full of what God is up to, what he's doing. You see the, you remember the story of the staff that turns into the snake, the, the ten plagues, the parting of the Red Sea. God is definitely the main character. But the main human character is Moses. Now Moses is one of those people who it's impossible for us not to relate to. As you read his story, we see too much of ourselves in it to not be able to relate. His story contains elements that all of us recognize. So I'm going to go ahead and read, because I didn't let Logan do it earlier, Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to start with verse 20, 24. By faith Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and the application of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. 
And by faith, the people passed through the Red Sea is on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. So Moses spends the first 40 years of his life in this comfortable environment. He's raised in Pharaoh's household. He's as wealthy as he could hope to be, as close to privilege as he could hope to be. His worldliness, the, the blessings that came from his worldliness were just unending for a person of the time. He was truly blessed, but those blessings were empty. And then, when he's 40 years old, something happens, something changes, and he cannot abide the mistreatment of his people. We'll talk more about this next week, but it causes him to need to flee, to leave that worldliness behind. And that's, then something happens to him. After he leaves all of the, the, the wealth, the possessions, the power of being a member of Pharaoh's household behind, he encounters God in a burning bush. And that's, the, that's a famous story. We've all heard it so many times. And it's there, in that moment, that Moses truly commits to God. Now, in the same way, everyone who becomes a Christian does so because at some point we've experienced and we've recognized that God is at work in and around us. Most of us haven't seen him in a burning bush or heard him audibly speak to us. If you have, I'd love to know that story. But most of us don't get to experience something quite like that. But we have seen something. Maybe, maybe you saw God at work through a parent or a family member or a person at church. And it was their faith and the way that God clearly had transformed and was using them that assured you, that convinced you, that wooed you into your faith that he was real. Or maybe God grabbed your attention in some other way. But at some point, there were enough things happening in and around you that you came to the belief, the firm belief, that God is there, that he's real, that Jesus died for your sins and that he offers you new life. And you committed to him. Now, Moses' start as a follower of God wasn't exactly stellar. He stands there in front of the burning bush, this real-life hard proof that God is real. And he tries to get out of doing what God asks him to do. He stands there seeing a God who can make a bush burn and not burn up. Who can speak out of it. A God who promises that he is the God of his ancestors. The God who cares for his people. And Moses spends that time trying to get out of what God asks him to do. God says to Moses, go lead my people out of Egypt, and Moses comes up with excuse after excuse. Now, if that's not the picture of Christian life that all of us can relate to, I don't know what is. I think about when a young person says to me, and it's none of the young people that are here that have ever said this to me, I assure you. I don't think. When a young person says to me, you know, I'd really like to come to church more often, but it's just too early in the morning. And I think... Our service starts at 10.15. Aside from Saturday, if you don't have anything going on, it is literally your latest start of the week. How could that possibly be a barrier to you coming to church? 
And, and this, is, this is where being a church history major makes things hard for me sometimes because I think back to the first century where they, they met and it was so important to them to meet that to avoid persecution and arrest, they met before the sun rose. And we compare that to needing to hit your snooze button till after 10 o'clock to, to be able to get the rest you want on a Sunday. We know that God is real, that he has desires and callings for our life in some way, whether it's, whether it's getting up early on Sunday morning or something else for you. We just have this shocking inability or this unwillingness to obey him in some area of our life. And that's true for all of us. And those areas are different, but you know what I'm talking about. Almost assuredly, you know what that area or those areas are. Are. Now, I mentioned earlier that faith is a response to who God is and what he has done. Another way we can relate to the story of Moses is that God doesn't give up on him. God keeps working on Moses until that faith gets fanned into flame. And the same is true for you. No matter how far away you are, no matter what silly excuses you have for not being able to take your faith as seriously as you know you ought, God hasn't given up on you. He's still there, waiting to fan your faith into flame. So then, if that's the case for all of us, if God sees our flaws and our imperfections and doesn't give up on us, what makes Moses special? Why is the story important? Well, despite being 80 years old when he saw the burning bush, when he began his career as a leader for God's people, despite all of his failures and all of his flaws, the writer of Hebrews said this, Moses persevered because he saw him who is invisible. He saw him who is invisible. I think that's a pretty good way to describe faith. He saw God, meaning he believed, and he persevered, meaning that he committed. It's Moses' great faith that's at work, that we see amazing things happen. God works, and Moses responds all throughout the book of Exodus. And what makes Moses so valuable, and the book of Exodus so important, is that over and over again, God shows up. He acts on the lives of his people, and they respond with faith. Now that promise that God will always show up, it's one of the most amazing things about his character. In Exodus, his people cry out and he shows up. And you and I are blessed to have the same experience. We worship a God who shows up. Every single day that we go to God in prayer, we will see a meeting with him, the God who shows up. Every single night that we faithfully give up to him is full of his presence. And his showing up is not the result of our waiting for some kind of prize. He rewards us for, for being good enough to pray. That's not what it is. It's his decision, and it's based on his love being freely poured out. He loves you so much that he shows up. And his showing up is bound to his promise. It's not bound to our works. We don't earn a meeting with God because we've served him faithfully enough. We cannot be so good or so wonderful that we could surprise and impress him and somehow earn his presence in our hearts or in our lives. That's not how this works. 
God is thrust onward by his love. He's not attracted by our goodness or the things we accomplish. He comes even in moments or times when we've done everything wrong or when we've done nothing or when we're at our worst. He never leaves us and still in the midst of our lowest point when we reach out with prayer we can know for sure we are welcomed into his throne room and encountering him in a powerful way. And the perfect picture of this God who comes is Jesus Christ. We can't see God but we don't have to. Colossians 1.15 says it this way. It says, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. We know what God is like because we have the record of what it looked like when God was walking around in human form. And make no mistake, it's so much greater to live on this side of the cross than the other. We're called to give our lives to Jesus, to follow him, and he is the best revelation of God's character that we could ever hope for. But in the book of Exodus, we see story after story of how God shows up to rescue his people. And we can learn a lot from those amazing times, from those amazing examples, those amazing works of God. And it can help us to learn to recognize when God is at work in our own lives because he is. One thing I believe absolutely is that there is never a moment where you are apart from God working in and around you. For those of us who belong to him, he is always pushing, pulling, empowering, calling, stretching us onward to be changed, to be more like him, and to be used as a mouthpiece for his love. And so each week, we're going to be looking at a story from Exodus. We're going, to, we're going to ask what the story tells us about God and why that matters for our lives today. And I want to give you two questions to ask as we go through each of these stories, as we go through each week. And they're good questions for you to ask anyways. The first one is this. How have I seen God at work in my life? How have I seen God at work in my life? We have to learn to look for him. It's hard to see an invisible God, right? But, but you can see what he's doing. You think about how you can't see the wind, but you can see leaves blowing in the wind. And you learn to recognize those. Someone that's dear to you has something incredible going on in their life, and you look and you recognize the work of God. Or you notice some growth, some fruit of the Spirit that has become more ripe in your own heart, and you recognize the work of God. Or there's this conviction, something you've never really thought of before, but you just know that something that you're doing needs to change because it does not honor him. That's the work of God. And you need to practice to learn to, learn to see him as he works in and around you. And these stories will help us do that in a neat and unique way. So the first question is, how have I seen God at work in my life? And the second one is this, what does it teach me about him? What does this story teach me about God? What does this way that he's working in and around me teach me about God? When he convicts me of sin, I, I learn deeply about his holiness. When he reaches out to me, when he encourages me to, to show love in a particular way to someone, I learn about his heart for them. 
When I see these incredible stories in the book of Exodus, I learn about his power, about his holiness, about his faithfulness. So the first question we're going to ask is, how have I seen God at work in my life? And the second one is this, what does it teach me about him? You see, when we respond to God with faith, when we remember who he is and we remember what he has done, when we nurse our belief and we press on with our commitment, when we prepare ourselves to recognize him and he shows up, and when we're changed by his presence, faith isn't a feeling, and it isn't just a belief. It's a flame. It's an experience that has to be lived out. Faith doesn't allow you to just come to church on Sunday morning. Faith demands more. You can't just show up. If we want a healthy and vibrant faith, if we want our our faith fanned into flame, then we have to look for and remember the things that God has done. And my hope is that as we go through this book, as we go through Exodus, and we see the faith of Moses and the faith of God's people, we'll be encouraged and we'll learn to respond in the way that God has called us to. Please pray with me. Father God, we come before you thankful for blessings. We love you, Lord, and we know that without you, we can accomplish nothing. We thank you for those reasons you've given us to believe. We pray that you help us to hold on to them, to have courage to share them, to speak about them, to write them down, to keep them fresh. We pray that you would give us eyes to see the way that you're at work around us. We pray that you'd give us ears to hear as others tell us about what's going on, how you're working in their life. Lord, we pray that, that our faith would be encouraged and strengthened and we would respond to you. That we'd come closer and draw nearer to you. That we'd have a walk of faith that would lead us more and more to be like you and to encourage those around us. Lord, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.